It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger, hanging out. We should have a, like a survey bar here. You know, maybe a counter we could go up to and order some fries with gravy if we wanted to. We work at a mall. There's like a food court every 10 minutes, maybe even quicker than that. Is the, is the mall in this room? The mall is not in this room, well, but I'm I just saying. Well, I have to get up and go. I mean, how many minutes do I have from the time I leave the hour late to put you in a bad position, <laughs> uh, and then I come back? It's got to be like six minutes at the most. Yeah, you're probably right. You probably don't have enough time to get down there, but I'm sure you could Uber Eats within a mall. It's a little lazy, but I'm sure you could do it. And it's also like, I am frugal. I'm not cheap. I'm frugal. I could be spending that Uber Eats, but not that there's anything wrong with Uber Eats, but it is just across the way. I could be buying a steak and barbecuing that on Saturday. The lowdown is brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. The Discover Winter event is on now, and they're blowing out remaining 2023 GMCs. Discounts up to $8,000 plus 0% financing. Wolf GMCBuick.com. Now that's being frugal. Saving eight grand? Giddy up. Well done. Okay. Chicago Blackhawks in town. Undermanned, outgunned, injured. I wish Taylor Hall were playing tonight. I always like watching him play. I bet Bag Milk does too. He joins us now from Oilers Nation. Who is your favorite ex-Oiler currently in the National Hockey League? Oh, man. That is quite the list, isn't it? Um, you know what? You said Taylor Hall, and it's hard not to pick Taylor Hall, but he's just had one of the stranger career arcs that I've ever can remember in terms of the first overall pick. So I'd love to watch him play again. I was always hopeful that there would be a way to find uh, to find a way to bring him back in some capacity. I was always hoping for it. Another guy, and he wasn't here for a long time now, that I really, really liked, which is interesting that his name is, has been tied to the others at times, is, is David Perron. Mm-hmm. I love a guy who can get greasy. I love a guy who can get under your skin. And I love a guy who can back it up with goals on the board. And David Perron was one of those. And and he, uh, he, he played really, really well in his first year here in Edmonton, and it was almost unfortunate that it didn't work out a little bit better. Yeah, I, I'm with you all the way on that. I think that the, the thing about Perron, uh, you know, I kept thinking, well, he's too slow, and then I see him, and he's still in the league, and he's still not too slow. He's had, you talk about Hall having a weird career arc. Perron is just like old faithful. You know, he, he just shows up every year and does the job, and his style of play hasn't really changed much. He's he's a he's a agitator. He's physical. He's kind of sneaky with uh, with his stick work, and he's also very highly skilled. He he really is. That's why it's almost amazing that he was. Uh, it was over a decade ago that he was here at Edmonton because he just he bopped around and he'd been productive basically everywhere he went. Um, he put up a fifty six point season in eighty two games with the Red Wings last year, and they were not very good. Um, so he's one of those players that I, I've just got a ton of time for him because I, I like the skill mix that he brings, even though he's not necessarily going to burn you wide with all kinds of wheels. So David Perron would be my pick. Uh, I've always really liked Jeff Petrie as well after he moved on. Um, he was one of those guys where I think that we, the Oilers probably sold off on him too soon. So he's another one that comes to mind. But, I mean, if you go through the history of the team, there's got to be a sizable handful of those players that you go, man. 
man, I wish it turned out differently. Then. You could make a good team of ex-Oilers. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm glad Stuart Skinner isn't an ex-Oiler. A lot of fans were looking to trade all the goalies earlier in the year. Uh, he certainly recovered his last 20 games. He's been the second or third best goalie in the entire National Hockey League. A great story here from Stuart Skinner, a local guy and uh, top of the world right now in, in a very, very difficult position to play. He's done extremely well. There's so much to like about the story. The hometown kid grew up watching the Oilers. There's a clip of him from a few weeks back where he talks about watching Nugent Hopkins growing up, and I just think that's hilarious because he's a local kid. He knows how much the Oilers mean to this community. He is, like you said, the most difficult position on the ice. And after a tough start, he stuck with it. He did that interview with Mark Spector over at Sportsnet a little while ago where he embraces the booze and embraces the chirps because he understands what it means uh, in this city to be an Edmonton Oiler. And to see him get rewarded with some fantastic play and for the Oilers to be rewarded with him as a goaltender, really keeping them in the mix. I look at the game on Tuesday, Al, and it, after 40 minutes, the Oilers could have been down by three or four oh, goals yeah. had it not been for Skinner. So I just think that it's so much fun watching him turn this year around. He is on a heater of all heaters right now. Just broke Rap Fear's record. One of the greats. Jason Greger asked him the question in the dressing room afterward about how much that meant to him. And his answer, again, as an Edmonton boy, was exactly what you'd want to hear. So I can't cheer for Stu enough. I just love to watch him blossom. And it almost seems like, Al, I want to get excited. It seems like they got a homegrown goalie in the mix now. And I don't know that that was ever going to be the case with the Oilers, at least not for a long time. So I love to see it. I'm actually happy he's getting a break tonight. Um, I do I do get concerned about his, his workload a little bit, but ultimately I think that Calvin Pickard is going to give the others a quality start. He's only had, you know, he, he's had some up and down stretches, but he's also won four of his last five starts. He's got a 9.03 between the pipes, and like you said, Chicago's a little bit undermanned right now, so love the idea of giving Stu a break as well. So uh, a couple of areas I want to go to, and, and I, I feel like a broken record, but it has changed, so... You know, Pickard looks okay. He looks like a capable backup. I don't know if you're going to get a superior one on the trade market. Ken Holland always trades for a defenseman in a year he's contender. Up front, people are talking about a winger and maybe a right-handed center. I, I'm i not sure how much they need, and I'm not sure how much they need that is of a high, high level. What are your thoughts right now on what the Oilers need at the deadline? It all depends, too. Like They're so tight against the cap that it makes the the lofty dreaming trades a little bit more difficult. Though at the same point, I never expected Ken Holland to be able to acquire Matthias Ekholm last year. So if I had my absolute dream list of areas that the Oilers would like to improve, I'd love a top six right winger. Somebody that can kind of come in and score with a little bit more consistency than what we've got there right now. Obviously, Zach Hyman, he's doing his thing. He's having a great, great season on the right side. But I'd love to have another guy who can chip in with a little bit more offense beside Leon. I know that the McLeod, the Leon, the uh, Fogel line was really, really working. But if you can get just another dose of skill in that top six or even in the top nine on the right side, I'd love to see it. I think Corey Perry probably going to moonlight up there at times, whether or not we like it. But that would probably be my area, especially if Dylan, uh, especially if Dylan Holloway can kind of come in and play at center and do it effectively. That could really change what the targets are for the Oilers. But I'd love a little bit more skill. Second up, I would love uh, another right-handed defenseman, yeah. a shutdown defenseman. I don't know that we can go find a Jason Smith, but man, would I ever like a, a defenseman that plays that style of hockey? Those would be probably my two items on the wish list if I had it up to me. 
Yeah, I remember when Toronto made that trade and everybody said, what a dumb trade. And it was, I think they got two seconds. It still wasn't worth it. Um, Jason Smith was a hell of a player for the Edmonton Oilers. So I, I'm, I'm, because I'm throwing all the difficult questions at everybody this week, I'm going to ask you this because, um, I, like I, I've been here for the last five years. I've seen and written about and talked about, uh, Ken Holland's missteps, the, the Athanasiu trade and others. Um, I also was highly critical of the trade for Warren Fogel. It turned out very well. Um, I find right now that, that, and I know it's been an up and down year. I see a lot of people still angry at Ken Holland, and yet the roster is full of, it's the, he's, his touch is on this roster from, from not overreacting to Skinner's slow start, uh, to signing Hyman, Matthias Ekholm, a big, big trade. For you, how much credit does Ken Holland deserve for this roster? Uh, and how much blame does he, I guess, take for how long it's taken? Well, that's a tough question, and I'm, I understand why you're asking everybody, because I imagine everybody's just got a different answer. One thing that we got to remember, and I think it's a really, really important thing when we talk about Ken Holland, is that the cap, essentially, since he got here, has been flat. That, that makes a very, very big difference to a general manager who's trying to build a contending team, especially when guys perform and they want raises. I think that one thing that is always going to follow him along is probably the Darnell Nurse contract, even though I personally think that he, Darnell is playing some of his best hockey right now. I think that he looked really, really effective. And he is now my modern-day Horkov, if you remember, Al, where everybody got mad at oh, yeah. Horkov for signing his big deal. I just find that Nurse is the new version. Um, so there's some of those that are always going to bother people. Connor Brown obviously hasn't worked out the way we thought it would, especially with that bonus hitting the, hitting the cap next year. But that said, Warren Fogel, I mean, he's contract year Fogel. I get that, but he's looking really, really good. And some of the other players that they brought in, like Corey Perry for free, I bet that's going to make a major difference. Giving Vinny DeHarnay a chance to contribute on the third pairing. Those are all things where it goes within the roster. And now there's obviously some places I think they'd like to upgrade. Um, I would like to see an upgrade on Cody Cece, even though I think he's playing reasonably well. I think he's playing fine. I think that I, I, we could do for uh, an upgrade there. But Zach Hyman is a uh, Ken Holland move. Evander Kane is a Ken Holland move. The Nugent Hopkins contract, which is looking pretty good right now, is a Ken Holland move. So, it's impossible for me to think of his tenure here and not look at a bunch of the good stuff that happened, even though there's some nitpicky items on that trade tree that I probably like to like to have. Like I'd like to have Clint Costin around here right now, but I understand why they don't. Um, you know, I would have preferred that he didn't sign Zach Cassie to $3.2 million, but we never saw 2020, how 2020 went coming. So there's also some kind of revisionist history a little bit, but the big thing for me when it comes to Ken Holland is that flat cap having to navigate that with some of the contracts on the books and being able to compete the way they have. And again, this isn't the Leon and McDavid show this year. There's a lot of depth scoring happening. It's not all power play merchant stuff this year either. And you have to give the GM some credit for putting that together. You also have to give the GM some credit for riding through early in the season when the Oilers were two, nine and one, because he could have really spent some assets trying to make something happen in that period. And to his credit, he was patient. He kind of wrote it through, and the Oilers kind of figured it out. They did make the coaching change, of course, uh, back in mid-November. But those are all moves that are contributing to where the Oilers are at now. And he deserves some credit, whether people like it or not. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you all the way. I think that that a more balanced view than just outrage is important. Uh, Chris Knobloch is just like one of the most popular people in town. I think it's you and him tied for first right now, Bagmel. Uh, but let me ask you. 
what you think about moving McDavid and uh, Drysaddle to the top line with Hyman uh, tonight. One off, or do you think they just want to get a look? I, uh, when I saw that this morning, I mean, that was the only one where I kind of went, really? Because he had resisted the urge to put those two together basically the entire time outside of a couple of shifts here and there after a PK or you know maybe something needed to happen down the stretch. But he had resisted that urge pretty well. Actually, I think he's resisted the urge better than some of his predecessors because when you have that nuclear deterrent, sometimes you really want to push the button. Um, but I think that the way that the Oilers played against Columbus, especially in the first two periods, it was worthy of a shakeup. Nothing was going well. Um, the, the giveaways, like the NHL site had the list of the 26 giveaways uh, against Columbus the other night, but I feel like that number's light. I feel like they had a big save, big sale, and there was turnovers for everyone. So I'm not surprised he changed up the lines a little bit, but if I had it up to me, I would still want Connor and Leon on separate lines because I think that's just more difficult for the other team to handle in terms of who's coming over the boards next. Are you going to get Connor or are you going to get Leon? Because if you can shut down that one line right now, and I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, those are three very good players up there on that first line tonight in dry side David and Hyman. But if you can kind of keep them quieter or at least saw it off at evens, you've got a better chance of kind of quieting the rest of the lineup. So I'd prefer to keep them separate, but ultimately we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm fully trusting Coach Nobby at this, at this point. So if he wants to try this and he wants us all to go for the puck line, then I'm all for that too. Where do you see Perry playing in his first game on Saturday? That is a fascinating question because I also don't know who's going to come out. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, you, you look at some of the names that may come out. Like, is it going to be Matthias Janmark? But he also is quite effective on the penalty kill. I know he's only got one goal. Are you going to take out Connor Brown? Seems unlikely, even though he hasn't scored a goal. Is the candidate to come out of the lineup Sam Gagne, even though he's on pace for 20, playing less than 11 minutes a night? It's a really interesting question, but to, to answer specifically, I'm guessing he's probably going to start third line right way. But what I'm fascinated to see on Saturday against the Preds is which one of those three guys is coming out for him to come in. That's what I want to see. Do you have a guess? Well, I, I'm, I do, but I, I don't want to be wildly unpopular. I think Dylan Holloway might sit. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, and I, the, the reason why is uh, if you're bringing Corey Perry in, you could move Ryan over. He's right-handed, and I think that the, the Oilers – I think right now they're looking at, at what this roster will look like come the playoffs, and I think Holloway will be the fourth-line center. But there was a little wobble in his game the other night. We'll see how well he plays tonight. Um, I, I'm, I, I hope that's not the case. I want to see Holloway play a lot, but we'll see. And, uh, you know, an all veteran lineup, I think in, in his own mind, Ken Holland always sort of leans towards the veteran. Uh, we don't know Knobloch that well yet, but that's my guess anyway. What's, when does Frank do, or has he already done it? Well, so he hasn't done his pick yet today, but what I've done so far is I've got the game notes from OilersNation.com. Gregor had those up bright and early. We've got the, the game day article up at OilersNation.com. So I've fed that over to Frank. I printed him off some copies. I put it down for him next to his water bowl so he can kind of come in, have a little drink, have a little read, have a little think. And then when I get home later this afternoon, will be Frank's pick because he has now won five in a row, Al. It's not just the Oilers. Though. Wow. Frank is hot. And you don't do anything to... Um, help him. There's no trickery. I promise. I like. I I've, I've done Frank's picks in front of a handful of people, and they always think that there's some kind of trickery. And 
I just sit there and I set him up and I tee him up with his keywords and where he goes, he goes. So Frank is a free thinker. He's a, he's a money line better. And so far, at least lately, he's been pretty good at it. Well, I, but, I mean, we love him anyway, but the fact that he's right just makes him, you know, more compelling. Well, and it's also pretty incredible if you think about it, because it could honestly go either way. And the fact that he's won more than he's lost now, I think he's 26 and 17 on the season, something like that. So yeah. he's kind of turned it around after a slow start. I always I always find it funny. I always find it comical. It's one of my favorite things. Five years in now to Frank Jackson, we would have a great time every game. What I would like you to do is, because I think it would be funny if he was 27 and 16 or whatever it is, and your Remchuk was 16 and 27. So maybe we'll start making up whatever your Amtuck's guesses are. Uh, and, and we'll just run with that, even if it's not accurate. Well, it's something to consider. Yeah. You know, I think who, who do you ultimately trust more when it comes to picking a winner <laughs> straight up? Is it the dog or is it your Amtuck? It's a tough call. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. There goes Bag Milk from Oilers Nation. Good guy. Enjoy chatting with him. And I don't know if you've seen the dog videos, but it's the cutest damn dog. And the dog eats all the treats. It's it's a great bet. It truly is. Okay. It's uh, 119. Lots to talk about. You have been texting machines today. We'll pass along your information next. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. That what? Was rock, rock, and they be lining down the block just to watch what a Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown with Low Tide. Uh, Declan, could you, could you favor us with... <laughs> you, you never heard Fergalicious by Fergie? Oh, it was like the biggest song of 2007, maybe well, 2001. Okay, I was at the park, okay, with the kids. You know, it's actually I actually meant to play a different song by Fergie there. D- did that you one hear in my what accident. she said? No, yeah, I've heard the song. Well, to, to my credit, not defending myself or anything, I didn't mean to play that one. I meant to play Glamorous. I, but, but I want to go, anyway, we don't have time to go back because I think she contradicted herself based on the words I heard. So that's pretty wild. All right. It's the lowdown brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. The man is full of surprises, and that is one of them. And that's why we love Declan. Okay, here we go. Comes in from Brett from Stoney. He's the worst player on the orders. It's not close. How unlikely is it that Brown would come out? I don't think he will. Um, I'm going to throw some numbers at you, okay? Okay, Connor Brown is not, he's not scoring goals. And when he's on the ice, the orders are at 33% goal share at five on five. Seven goals for and 14 against. But I'm going to show you something that's really simple that you can look up in Natural Stat Trick anytime you want. So Connor Brown with Evander Kane, two goals for 11 against, 15% goal share at five on five. They do not play well together. And they played 188 minutes. So the coaching staff will know that. Now, Brown without Kane is five goals, four, three against 63%. And Kane without Brown is 21-19, So you will see online a bunch of people just going crazy about how upset they are about Kane playing here or Brown playing there. They both have been hurt, and they're not really working well together. So it's up to the coaching staff to make sure that that doesn't happen again. JMO, as the kids say, but that to me is pretty obvious. I, I, in all seriousness, I, I just I think that that there's enough track there for us to identify that is something that is not working. 
Again, 188 minutes together at 5-on-5. Connor Brown and Evander Kane, two goals for 11 against. They're both over 50%. Brown is over 60% at 5-on-5. And it's all, that's in 216 minutes. Kane at 426 minutes, he's over 50%. Sometimes, Sometimes it's just bad. But sometimes if you drill down on it, it's not as bad as you think it is. And right now, it's a combination of two guys who've been hurt playing together, and it's not working. It might work later in the year, but right now it's not working. And you'll notice that tonight, Kane is with Nuge and Fogel, Holloway's with McLeod and Brown. So, and I think Brown got an assist. Did he not get an Yeah, he got an assist the other day, you know. Uh, he's coming along. And remember Mike Pekka in 0506? He spent a lot of the year not being great. He just did. Ha ha, keep those tunes rolling. I, I don't know what we were doing there. I mean, I was listening to the song, and as I said, we were at the park with the kids in 2007. Did not hear it. I know Fergie's from that band with the junk in the trunk one. Uh, but I did not know that song, and it took me by surprise. Low Tide, would you support if the IIHF suspended Hockey Canada one year for many events as punishment for covering up sexual assault cases? I would fully support it from Braden. I, I think that, that I don't know what the, the, the ramifications are, what the consequences will be, but as this rolls along, I think that is a conversation that is going to be had. The problem is, um, that, that Canada drives a lot of that. So it's, it's, if you, if you pull Canada out of the event, you're you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. I'm not I'm not in any way saying that 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 should be a deterrent, but I am aware of the world as we know it. I've got nothing to say it's bad about say Brown's non-production. He's skating his backside off and setting up guys cold. He, he he's not scoring, but he's I, I mean he's getting closer. The other night Kane passed him a puck, and I don't know how it went. It must have gone under or over his stick. Um, but you, they're winning games and he's part of it. He's part of the penalty kill. And as I mentioned, if you take him away from Kane and Kane away from Brown, you have two productive guys in terms of their goal share on the ice, which is all you really care about. Right. You know, when, when Gretzky and Curry were playing together, sometimes Dave Semenko was on the line and he didn't get a lot of points, but he, you know, was effective. Connor Brown isn't Dave Semenko, but you get my point. You're a hypocrite. Okay. That struck me as a bit of an accusation, Brendan, but let's proceed with the rest of it. Russian hockey has to suffer for their government's choices, but Hockey Canada can't suffer for their own choices. That's not what I said. That is not what I said. I said, as we go down the road, that should be and will be part of the conversation. However, comma... That idea is difficult because Canada is such a big part of the world junior and the world hockey championships. So you can do it, but in a way you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. That, that is in no way being hypocritical. I'm saying, yeah, but here's why it might not happen. And I am a hypocrite. Everybody is, just so you know. It's not possible to be everything. You know, and we, we speak and then we misspeak. And oftentimes the words we say 25 years ago 
will the opinion of the world will change and reasons will come out and facts will come out that we may not be aware of and we have to alter our our, our mindset that does happen it does not make you like wrong headed it makes you right headed those things all occur not everyone needs to score there's lots of other things to do out there on the ice yes Why not double down on Benino? Hmm, that's interesting. He's he's uh, I I haven't looked at him recently, but I looked at him at the trade deadline, I think a year ago, and he looked like he was fading. When the when a player who's a really good player as Benino has been, when they fade, there's only a few reasons: injured, turning forty, those sorts of things happen. And I I mean I'm looking at his numbers. Eight goals, four twenty against twenty nine percent goal share. Uh, he scored sixteen points, but in seven hundred minutes, I think they've given him full, full, full torque there. Strutty loves Benino. Was he a teammate? They, I mean, this guy goes back to 09. Strutty was in the was it nineteen oh nine or two thousand nine that Strutty was in the league? I never remember that. <laughs> uh, Strutty is a great guy. He's a real peach. Come on, God, get down with the Ferg. I just didn't know the song. I was at the park. You know, when when your kids are like 11 and 9, you're listening to Fred Penner. What a day, what a day. If you play that, I know all the lyrics. But when you're driving your kids around and that song comes on, you probably don't play it through. I think that's fair. I mean, did you hear that song when you were driving with your parents, Declan, in the car? Might have come on once or twice. Wow. Probably not frequently. I find it interesting that Knobloch chose to break the glass in case of emergency during a winning streak. The opposite of all the other coaches, Luke and Cowtown. Well, they did struggle in two periods uh, for Columbus, so there is that. Um... People are asking for Nugent Hopkins to go down in the lineup. Well, that line has been, I mean, they, they, I don't think they've scored recently, but there's an ebb and a flow to everything. It's, I think it's just a fresh, you know, there, there's a, when a, when a, when a line goes stale, it doesn't mean the line won't work. It means that it's stale. So if they're going to break up the lines and do a few things and see how that works, then that's just part of freshening. It's like, um, it's like painting the deck or, Moving the living room around. Do you ever move the furniture around in your living room, De- Declan? I don't. I have a pretty good setup with how I like things. When I was a kid, I would move my bedroom around a little bit, shake things up. But now I, I like the, you know, I like the routine. It's not a routine, but I like the feng shui I got going on. I'm happy with it. Yeah. So I don't know your personal life, and I don't know what you plan with your life. Well, I always give you the option to learn more about me, but you keep turning me down. Well, and You that, never want to hang out. That will continue. But if you ever get married and things like that, things like, like where to put the furniture and where you can put your Philadelphia Eagles, you know... <laughs> shrine. Shrine. My shrine to Deshaun they do, Jackson. They do change, yeah. um, so you need to be aware of that. Okay. So. I'll keep it in mind. So this comes in from Spinner from Edmonton North. I'm sorry, LT. People use the word sorry wrong. Uh, if I have a flat tire, you can say I'm sorry. 
or if you step on my foot, you can say I'm sorry. But when you disagree with me on an opinion that I have, you do not have to be sorry. You can say you're incorrect, LT, or I disagree with that, or here's a take you might not like, but it's what I feel. All of those things are appropriate. I'm sorry, I think is what people say when they really want to say you're stupid. So say that instead, because it's much better. I'm sorry, LT, but Taylor Hall was a terrible signing by the Blackhawks, not because he's out for the season, but because he was a totally useless player with Bedard. There was no chemistry between the two of them at all on the first line, and when Hall wasn't falling down, he was colliding with Bedard and getting in his way. Oh, sounds dire. So here's the thing. Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard at 5-on-5 played 65 minutes, just past an hour together, two goals for, three against, their expected goals at 46%. Bedard without Taylor Hall is at 40.4%, so basically the same. And his expected goal share is 42%, so lower than with Hall. I would respectfully suggest to you that 60 minutes isn't enough for either of us to claim one thing or the other. But if you give Taylor Hall time to play with a talent like Connor Bedard... I will bet on Taylor Hall making that work. Low Tide, this is from Elks Oil. Low Tide, it really is funny that the habit of being the Otis GM built up in the days of darkness can't really turn down a bit. At this point in time, I don't think there's a better roster in the NHL than the Otis. Time to let the coaches spend some time on how to get the most out of this roster and tweak, if necessary, at the deadline. Well, that kind of, and I think you're, you and I are in a marching in lockstep here. Uh, that's why I, all week I've been sort of mentioning why I think that Ken Holland deserves more respect than he's getting right now. And, and I will include myself in that. I've written some articles about Athanasiu, about Duncan Keith, about, uh, Warren Fogle, others that, as it turned out, were more favorable to Holland than I implied at the time. I still believe that Duncan Keith, with all the amount of money that was coming back by a cap, was an overpay, and it also allowed the Hawks to sign Jones, and that forced the Otis to sign Nurse. And I know I, I think they should have signed Nurse, So, but it was a lot of money. So all of those things, I think you can be critical about Ken Holland. You can say he begat the Nurse necessity because of the trade for Keith. You can say that credibly. But I think you also have to say, look at Matthias Ekholm. My goodness, Zach Hyman has worked out. And they were patient with Skinner, and that was the right play. You can say both. The, the, that's not a incorrect set of statements. Both can be true. You know, when he wins the Stanley Cup, he should get full credit for that. And I've always wondered. I remember right when they got the draft lottery in 2015, and they were going to win McDavid. And... People would say to me, how many cups do you think the Oilers will win? And I said, one. We get one, and then, you know, you see after that. And people are like, what are you talking about? They had five in the 80s. How many teams did they have in the 80s? And how balanced was each roster? The Oilers were a powerhouse. So were the Islanders. You could start a year in 1984 and pick Islanders, Habs, Oilers, Bruins. Mm, I'd have to go look. Maybe five or six, but it sure as hell wasn't what? Is there a dozen teams, Declan, who could win the Stanley Cup this year? 
Ooh, a dozen? I would say maybe a f- a less than that. Okay. I would say eight, eight teams Only off the top of my okay. head, yeah. So you don't think Toronto has a chance? Maybe nine. <laughs> Just because I think when you have a roster with that much talent, that much offensive prowess, they always have to still be in conversation. But we got to be real. We've seen this movie before. That was a really fun game last night, Winnipeg and Toronto. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was really good. Ken Holland is the best GM of the last 14 games in the NHL. I think people would agree with that. That's from Ronnie. Okay, 139. We're late for a break. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Visit them at wolfgmcbuick.com. Say hi to Doug and to Mary today. Yeah. Billy Joel did that. Um, what was the song where he was talking about a mint called Sensen? Sensen. Um, I remember. Anyway, he, he, he referenced a lot of things uh, in that song. That were from either from my youth or just before I was born. I like are you talking about we didn't start the fire there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. I like going back and like going through each lyric of that song and then checking out the references in history and reading about it. It's a it's a pretty cool cool way to do it. Yeah, I'm just looking for the Mint Called Sen Sen song is Keeping the Faith, which is another one that Billy Joel did. The first the Piano Man was a big hit single in seventy four. I bought the forty five. And then he kind of went away. And in 77, he released an album called The Stranger, which is still one of my favorite records. So good. So very good. I tweeted this out. I just have to reference it because it's so damn funny. Um, They've got a photograph. IGN online. They have 9.9 million followers. A European cave salamander spent seven years completely motionless. And I tweeted it out saying, can't believe the umpire didn't call a balk. And Daniel said, Angel Hernandez would have called called a balk. And I, I, the other person who sent something was Stafford Greer saying, sounds more like a pitch clock violation, which is correct. I had forgotten the new rule. It's like the Fergie lyric. You know, you don't know what you don't know or are not curious about, in my case. Um, Alfred says, when will Ovechkin take over Wainderful? That's interesting because he has eight goals this year in 43 games. Let's say he gets 12 more and that'll take him to 842. He would still be 52 away, which conceivably would be three years. And he's turning 39 in September. So I ask you, Declan of the North, he had 42 goals a year ago. He has eight now. If he ends up like scoring another eight and he ends up with 16, mm-hmm. is it possible Ovi doesn't pass? That's what I've been starting to think. And the thing is, I think like the thing with Ovi is he's going to play until he gets the record, right? Well, if he can, but if you're scoring one goal a year, you're not going to. Right. So he, like the thought process is he's going to play till he gets the record. Right. The Capitals are going to give him that credit and let, let him hang around because he won a cup for that franchise, sold a lot of tickets, sold a lot of jerseys, franchise player, all that. But it might get to a point that he becomes such a detriment to his team 
that it's just not feasible anymore. And I, I think, like, obviously, the, you know, the conversation skewed from, oh, no one can beat Gretzky's to, oh, you know, Ovi's going to be the guy to do it now back down to, wow, you know, he might not get there. And as we all know, Father Time is undefeated. Mm-hmm. And so I just wonder what it's going to look like is when a 39-year-old Ovechkin is out there, a 40-year-old Ovechkin is out there, presumably still playing in a top six role, what that is going to look like for the franchise. And again, I get that to their credit, they want to do him this honor. But I just wonder how much this could backfire on them. And I do really wonder if he is still going to pass Gretzky because I'm thinking, I'm thinking he might not anymore. The experts, the smart people, always tell me 200 minutes, 20 games. And it's yeah. been 43 games, and he has eight goals. It's, so, it's, it's off a cliff. Right. So Father that time hammer, is undefeated. Well, that hammer that he had on the power play isn't working. Yes. So what are you going to do? Is he going to go to the front of the net and have stuff go in and off his ass 45 times? Maybe. It's Here's what I pitched to Jason the other day, and Jason said no. Do you think if Alex Ovechkin is to pass up Wayne, or even if he doesn't, do you think Austin Matthews has a chance to get to that tally? Wow, it's so early, right? But, I mean, he's certainly a brilliant scorer. Jason said no when he pointed out injuries and numbers earlier, early in his career that yeah. suggested he would not get there that I totally understand. But this guy scores at a clip we just don't see. And we're saying that as a guy who, you know, we have a guy who just scored 64 on our home team. The, the problem, Declan, with, with projecting it this far out is the Mike Bossy problem. Mm-hmm. Guys get hurt. Yes. And Bossy was the most, like, he was like Matthews only in the 70s and 80s. He was the most prolific. I remember when he was a rookie, I, I remember this so well. I, I, I can't remember what show I watched that did sports. Would have been 77, 78. It might have been Hockey Night in Canada, but every damn time he looked like four goals. Probably an update from Hockey Night in Canada, like Bossy scored again. It just became a thing. And right away, like he was a, he wasn't like a number one pick. I think he was like seven, eight, 14, 15. I don't remember where they drafted him. What a player. Man, what a player. May I just direct your attention to the text line quickly? Well, okay. We have a text here from Walnuts in the Park. He says, you guys need to relax. I guarantee you Ovi scores 40 goals next year. You can mark this text down in history. I just want to know what you've seen to suggest that Ovi would be a 40-goal scorer next season when, like you said, he has eight so far this year. And looks, not only not only that the number is so small, that he looks like he's taken a significant step back. Well, he scored 42 a year ago. Sure. And he's got eight this year, which works into about 15 or 16. That's the worry. The erosion is going to occur, as you say. You know, time is undefeated. Um Ovi doesn't have like 16 goals on his way to 32 goal year. He has eight after a 42 year, uh, 42 goal year. That's the concern. The concern is that he's reached the cliff. Yes. You know, and so we all reached the cliff at, I was probably 23 when I reached the cliff, but at some point, Ovi is going to reach the cliff and maybe it's now. And it is, it would be like, it would be tone deaf and blind to not at least mention it. I wonder. He's got 830. He needs 65 to pass. If if he gets another 10 this year, that's 55. He'd have 18. If he comes back with 30 and then 25 the following year, he's two and a half years away and he turns 38 in, in uh, uh, he turns 39 in September. So I, I'm, I'm not saying he won't do it. I'm saying that, that unlike a year ago, I think the question now can be asked. Well, it's funny you say that because I was going to say as bluntly as possible, one, how many goals do you think he finishes this season with? Two, does he get there? 
Well, I think he finishes with 16 to 20. And then uh, I think he won't. Like if he, if he gets, if he goes on a goal scoring streak after the break, what I would do if I was Ovechkin, I would go lay in the sun during the all-star break and I would even come back two days late and I would just relax and get my body, whatever rigors of the game are, you know, but I mean, look, the Capitals might only play him in home games. You know, they want this deal. They want the record. It's such a, they've been building. This is like the Cal Ripken streak. You can see it from Laredo. It's like so far on the distance. And so they're absolutely going to get him there, but not if he's scoring one goal a year. He's the greatest goal scorer of all time, period. He will finish with the year with 20 goals. I, I think you can say that now just because if you, if you correct for era, and I'm not saying he's the greatest player of all time, but Ovechkin has a few things in his arsenal that others have not. He is highly durable. Russian machine never breaks. Highly durable. He has a power play that's been built around him for 15 to more more years. He is addicted to scoring goals. Like I, his, he's just he's, that's his mindset, and I think he will get the record. But this is enough to make you wonder if he's fallen off the cliff. I'm very very interested because the text line seems a little divided here. I'm very very interested. What people think, will Ovi break the goal record, yes or no? Could we do it like one of those survey thingies that you do? Yeah, may, I mean, maybe if you retweet uh, my poll, it'll get some legs here. But, How many uh, followers do you have now? Uh, a little over 1,400. Because I was trying to get our buddy here when he was with me uh, last week up to 100. I don't think we ever did. It was disappointing. We got you lots of followers, didn't we? Yeah. You know, yeah, you you did me a solid credit there. Well, back at the old station, you got me, you pushed me over the thousand mark with your ringing words of endorsement. Now you've got me. Yeah. And look, your, at, you know, look what I go. Well, look what I got in return is you trying to, you know, replace me. Never. <sighs> I would never. Why do I not think these things through? It's just, it's my fault. It's my fault. I take responsibility. Why can't your, why do I never get your, what is your, your Declan Kruger, right? Yes, sir. Why does it never come up when I type in Declan Kruger? Yeah, you know what? I get that with bagged milk as well. Never comes up for me. You just got to type it in all the way. It's, but I do, and then I still have to go and search for it and then find you. No, and I tr- follow you. I know, I know. Trust me, it's there. It's at Declan Kruger. What have you done to X? You just got to, well, I didn't do anything. But. Have you been ripping on Elon? Did we miss a break? Hello, Cactus. We did not. We okay. got, we're going to send the show off in about 30 seconds here. All right. Maybe a minute. Okay. All right. There you are, Declan. You have four. Please follow Declan. He's only got 1,434 followers. And that's not enough. Now, he's a great guy. And he's really smart. And he's a great Twitter. How much time, How much do you tweet? Well, I tweet the lineup every day. I tweet the podcast. I retweet things that across that come across my timeline timeline that I find informative or that I find funny. So, yeah, I think I got a good one going. What about like you? You're not going to tell them about your poetry? Gorgeous poetry. But yeah, I, I tweet my poetry a little bit, mostly just haikus. It's pretty good though. It's about soap most of the time. I mean, he makes it work. I don't. I don't understand, but he does. All right, lowdown is brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. I saw Jason Greger. He came in here, looked at me, took a pen, and left. So things are going well. He's on the way. Big game tonight. Edmonton Oilers have a chance to go 15-0 and in the last 15. Unthinkable. 
and yet we're here. Thanks for tuning into The Lowdown. It's time for an update.